Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Richard. In our last episode, I ran through the additions and projects in my smart home over the past year, and now it's Adam's turn. How has he enhanced his smart home since last summer, and what projects are on deck? Adam and I use many of the same products, so we can probably learn from each other's pain. I mean, experience, along the way. And maybe, just maybe, I'll convince him to get some new kit for some of his new projects. Spoilers? He already bought the Oro Switch. But we can talk about that in a little bit. I think you'll enjoy this episode of The Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Welcome to The Smart Home Show. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. And last show, we updated you on what's going on in the last year in Richard's home. And today, we're going to give you an update on what's going on in mine. But before we do that, as always, we're going to start off with a question. And I have a question for Adam. And, you know, this is this is kind of strange because I don't know if this would have changed at all in the last six months versus life in general. But I'm wondering, Adam, what do you do for fun? Like in your spare time? Uh, being a father of three kids and an entrepreneur, I, I don't know what spare time is, but <laughs> for downtime, I've always been a video game kid. Even from a very young age, we had, you know, NES and all that stuff. Ever since maybe right like mid college, I transitioned from being like a PC gamer. I used to build my own PCs um, to being an Xbox guy. And so these days I have two older boys and a daughter, but the two older boys are big into video games and this works out perfectly because they have a dad who still loves to play video games too. So it's been really fun to play, you know, I can kind of play my own thing, or I can play what they're interested in, and then I have more excuses to play video games. So my <laughs> now 10-year-old um, got really into Fortnite maybe a year or two ago when that the hype started building around that. So I started playing that with him, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing that. My 8-year-old just recently went from, uh, he's more of a Minecraft kid, but um, has gotten in, into Fortnite because I think some of his other friends play it now too. So we'll all play together uh, and sometimes with their little friends too, which I like to talk trash to their friends because some of these kids talk a big game and they're really not that good. <laughs> but I am an old school, like my go-to game in college and even like my early 20s was Halo. So always been a huge Halo fan, played a ton of Halo over over the years and um there's a new halo game coming out at the end of the year and so i thought what a great idea to introduce my eight-year-old who's very into video games right now to halo so we just started in the last couple weeks replaying the very first halo and we're going to play through in theory i guess all the games uh on co-op mode so it's kind of fun to to get to experience that with him and introduce him to one of my favorites cool how about you, Richard? What do you like to do for fun? What hobbies you got? We used to travel a lot. Not so much anymore. But one good thing is that I'm kind of a TV and movie junkie. And if you listen to any of my other podcasts, you may know that I have a backlog of probably literally years of content to catch up on. So I have really no problem just entertaining myself by sitting and watching a movie or binging on a TV show or something like that. Other than that, I've always been like the kid that stayed home and played with his computer for hours and hours and hours on end. And I still find myself losing time out of 
my day or weekend after just sitting in front of my computer for hours and wondering, what the hell did I just accomplish <laughs> or do? Everything and nothing. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's getting caught in a rat hole because you're organizing some digital photographs and you start seeing something that, oh, that was really cool. And then half an hour later, you've been looking at photographs and done nothing. And then you pull yourself back out and I might, I don't know, go in and balance some accounts and then realize that, oh, wow, this is really out of date and I'll go and update that. And then another hour has gone by and it's just, it's a never ending cycle, but it's enjoyable to me. I, I like it. So one comment I had on your, your TV and movie stuff, um, you know, there's been some talk that because of production delays and stuff like that, we're going to have kind of a content drought coming up here. I actually think this is kind of interesting because, I mean, for us, we've had a, a long list of shows we've wanted to watch. There's just like an abundance of things. I don't think we're going to run out, but it feels like a great time to catch up on that that back catalog of things you've always wanted to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a feeling if the latest round of new TV shows that have recently surfaced is any indication it's very likely that we're going to be in for a fall and winter of just lots of really bad quarantined reality game show things. So I'm fine with not having any new content this year. Cause yeah, that'll give me some time. Yeah. Wait, wait until you can do it right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, uh, you can send us a question on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard. All right. Well, Adam, last time we got together and we talked about stuff that's been going on in my home. And, you know, when we initially talked about this, you said, oh, you know, I don't really have that much going on. But I see a whole lot in your notes here. So <laughs> I know it, it, it grew from what I initially expected, but I, I really didn't feel like in the last year, a lot, a whole lot has changed in, in my home. So uh, I'll cover few things, little things that have, but you know, it hasn't been a, a massive uh, change and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why that is, but All right. I feel like this first one, I've talked about on the show already. Uh, nobody's going to be surprised about, you know, my major addition in the last year. But this is my combo of Hue bulbs, a Lutron Aurora switch, and Hue motion sensors that I'm so in love with and want to put everywhere. So the place where I put this combo in first was in uh, our master closet. And uh, it got the wife seal of approval, and then I started to expand it from there. So uh, also put it in our master bathroom um, so you could get the magical, you know, middle of the night dim light if you're, if you're using the bathroom. And then we also put it in our pantry, which I, I set up an automation that after, I want to say maybe 9 p.m., it flashes the red light of doom that says you should not be in the pantry <laughs> as just kind of another way to say, uh, stay out of here. Are you sure this is a good idea, Adam? Do you really want to grab that bag of crackers right now? Exactly. I wouldn't say it's always the most effective. You know, sometimes if you've already <laughs> made up your mind that you're gonna... I mean, it's just a red light, right? <laughs> right. It's not like you're going to get electrocuted or anything. But it is a good reminder. I like that. I think that's very clever, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's it's it's just one way of kind of reminding yourself of, uh, you know, do you really want to do that? Although sometimes you're like going to get a Ziploc bag or clean up or a trash bag or something like, that. like ah, stupid red light. And there's not really, I mean, unless you pull out the app, there's not really an easy way to change it. So you're just like, OK, whatever, I'll deal with this. So this this combination of those three things, um, I want to do more of this. Uh, and the the two next major places. Before we move on from that, I want to I want to actually propose a solution for you for the pantry. Okay. So, are you saying that you have an aurora on the light switch? Yes. That controls the lights even in the pantry. Yes. So you could potentially set 
your auto on capability on the lights or, or the, the, you know, when loses power and turn back on, have it go to whatever your default light setting would be so that if you wanted to cut the light now, see, that's not going to do it because it doesn't act to, okay, never mind. I, th- I was thinking we could solve this by to you just using your dimmer to turn it off and then turn it on again. And in that case, then it would come back at its default. It wouldn't be red. But the Aurora is not cutting the power. The Aurora right. is literally just turning it off digitally. I feel like maybe there's a way to add like a... Does the Aurora have like a double tap action? I don't know. Okay. I'll have to look into that. So if you have any ideas on... Uh, how I could change the lights, uh, you know, via the Aurora or something like that. Yeah, because, you know, if you're, if you have a spill or you're cleaning or something like that, you don't really want to have to deal with, oh my God, I have to pull out my app while I'm, you know, running to find some, some towels or bags to clean up this mess elsewhere in the house. I guess I could yell it in the air to one of the various ladies to change the color. True. It's not usually a, that big of a problem. So yeah, I I do love this combo of uh, hue bulbs, uh, the Aurora, and uh, hue motion sensors, and and there are two other places I I want to put these in. Um, I literally already have all the stuff to do this, which is our our mud room, which is kind of the entryway from the garage. I think I'm gonna probably have to do a modified version of this. I won't put in hue bulbs. There's overhead lights and two switches, so I'll, these I will probably. Um, switch out for a, a Lutron light switch, but then still use the the Hue Motion sensor with that. Yeah. So, so I, something I want to throw in there: the mudroom is usually a tricky situation because it has multiple entry points. In many cases, a mudroom is going to have well, it has at least two, often three doors. If there's like also entrance into the garage or into a laundry or something like that, and so the the really tricky thing here is getting the right perspective for that sensor. And you may, you may need to test that out. I would recommend that you try a couple locations, maybe with some 3M removable strips before you actually screw anything into the wall, because I ended up with a lot of false positives when I first had my sensor mounted. And it wasn't coming on when I always needed it to. So I ended up having to completely move and change how I did my mudroom to solve that very problem. Yeah, one of the things I like about the Hue Motion Sensor is it's got some sort of like pretty strong magnet in it. I kind of had to do this sort of tweaking in our master bathroom to get the angle just right. And I never actually mounted it like with actual hardware. I was just sticking the magnets to various things in the room that were, you know, metal and that allowed me to get the angle just right. So I I like that as an option to, yeah, mess around with it. I I guess you could mount it, but you know, if there's enough metal things in the room, you know, you can always find something. So even stuff like ducks for the AC, you know, I'll stick to the, the vents of those. But yeah, I agree with you that, the mudroom mine only has an entryway to the garage and one into the house, but would probably want to put that in a place where it's triggered more by entering from one of those rooms. Right, right. And not by like, passing, depending on your configuration, you don't want to just pass by the mudroom door and end up turning it on, which is what was happening to me all the time. Exactly. Uh, and then the last one I want to do this in is uh, our upstairs laundry room. It just feels like one of those rooms that you walk in, you grab something, you walk out, and often the light is left on. This is You'll hear this is a recurring theme in my house that I would like to automate <laughs> lights that are left on all the time. But You're such a parent. I know. <laughs> well, and the laundry room scenario is logical because you're likely walking in with full hands or walking out with full hands. So juggling to catch the switch on the way in or out is sometimes way more difficult than you might expect. Exactly. And it's probably why it's often left on because you flip it on when you come in and then you have your hands full and all that. 
Yeah, my wife's one comment, I did mention, you know, she approved of this, but she said, you know, uh, she'd almost prefer either we motion censor everything or none of it. (laughs) And I had to explain to her that, like, some of these rooms, you know, like the ones we're doing, it makes sense in. If we were in, you know, the office or a bedroom or something like that, then you have to get into the dance of, you know, quick wave your arms or else the lights are going to turn off. Right. And you don't want to deal with that in normal rooms that you would live in, but utility rooms or closets, closets in particular, like I made the mistake and it's not a mistake, but I put some sensors in a couple of closets and not all of them, just a couple of them, the ones we went into all the time. And then when I would go into the other closets, I wouldn't bother trying to turn on the light because I just expected one to come on. And so ultimately, I've had to, over time, replace them all, except for one. I just went into one closet this morning, and the light didn't go on. And I'm like, oh, I really need to fix this one of these days. So that is an all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah, it's you just very quickly become spoiled and have the expectation that this will happen. And so it, yes, it, it equals more buying and more automating and, and things like that. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I get the sentiment of, I want this in more places now. Yep. The other big one, uh, obviously in the year since we did this, I think um, when we did this last time, I was just testing in wall outlets. So I had one, maybe two in the house. And since our uh, ConnectSense in wall outlet has been released, I have ample access to them. I can bring them home from work, you know, maybe not in a crazy way, but one or two if they end up uh, at home. Uh, that's good. So I've added a few more in our bedroom in our family room and just basically been going around replacing either other people's smart plugs or even our smart plugs. I, I want, you know, kind of our, our latest and greatest hardware. I love this. I love that you're eating your own dog food. I think this is a really good idea and it's giving you an opportunity to try it in coordination with other smart home products that you have around your home, which may not necessarily be something that you're as focused on when these things are being tested in the more controlled environment in your company. Yeah. I mean, I've always been an advocate of, yeah, eat your own dog food, live it. And not only our stuff too, you know, I, we have this, this program in our company where you get $500 a year to spend on stuff, you know, technology, things like that. And part of one of the categories of things you can spend that on is smart home stuff, because, you know, I want our engineers and our, our folks all living this stuff. So I want them to experience other people's products. Sometimes you get great ideas by, you know, interacting with other people's stuff and you think, ah, they did this really well. Let's, you know, let's borrow that idea. Let's use something like this. Let's, you know, that all is helpful in making our products better. So I absolutely believe in that deeply. And then uh, the other major kind of category of products I've added in the last year, Amazon came out with this new Echo device called the Echo Flex. This is their by far cheapest and least capable Echo, but it's really nice. It's just kind of I would compare it to like a plug-in nightlight is sort of the form (laughs) factor of this thing. Uh, And in fact, you can even extend it with these. It has this like accessory port that you can add a nightlight to it. Uh, I think they just added something else new that you can add to it now too that I thought was interesting. Oh, good. Yeah, because it was originally a nightlight and a motion sensor, and you can only pick one. You can't have both, unfortunately. Yes, there's only one accessory port. I have the nightlight accessory on mine and ours is our bathroom nightlight it's it's a perfect bathroom device i think yeah i think uh so where i put these was basically in places where my kids are hanging out so we have a finished third floor attic which my younger son has dubbed his fort um, this is where all the Nerf guns are. <laughs> There's an Xbox up there. It's like the the kid hangout area. So he spends a lot of time up there. And we are huge users of the 
Hey Lady announce feature when you've got mm-hmm. you know three kids and they may be anywhere in the house announcing it's time for lunch, time for dinner, you know, trying to get a hold of them without having to yell around the house. It's a, it's yep. a great feature. So this upstairs fort was a place where he was hanging out. So we put one up there. The other place, uh, we added a gaming PC. This was somewhat a gift for my 10 year old's 10th birthday in February, but also, you know, kind of a device for the family. And that's down in our basement, which is unfinished. And since he was spending more time down there on the gaming PC, I put an Echo Flex down there too. So I think it's a great, like you would never want to listen to music on these. Not even on a stereo pair of them? (laughs) No. No, it's really, really terrible. Even just listening to, I think, her voice on it is pretty raw. For example, if you ask for the weather report or something like that, you can absolutely tell the difference in the sound coming out of that thing versus an actual echo. Which, by the way, the new uh, plug-in add-on is a clock. It's a digital clock. So kind of another cool little utility thing for that device. Yeah. And the the other really interesting thing I was going to mention on just while we were talking about announcements is uh, Amazon recently added to their app the ability to see announcements on your phone. And it's really handy. I want to actually put the Amazon Echo uh, app on the kids iPads now, too, because then they could see those announcements. If they're somewhere where there isn't an Echo device, they would see them. And it's cool because you can also respond to them or make an announcement from your phone and just type it, and then the voice will will speak it. So it's hmm. pretty handy, and um, you know they do the voice to text, and it's usually pretty accurate. So um, I thought that was an interesting and nice additional feature that they added. Can you lock out configuration in the Echo app? On a per-device basis? Oh, like if, if I put it on the kids' devices, yeah. not let them... Mess around with the house configuration. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So that would be the only reason not to do that. Yeah. I, I had never really thought of that before, but now that you talk about that, that would be a really nice feature to have those announcements on devices. You'd almost need to have like multiple users and a way to have them signed in as their own user with less capabilities. But yeah, yep. I don't uh, have a lot of faith in Amazon to actually do that. No. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't worry too much about the kids digging in there and screwing with it. Maybe when they're a little bit older, then they'd start monkeying with things and, and messing stuff up. But um, that's something I'll worry about when they get 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 into that stuff later (laughs) that's just what i need is my kids messing with my smart home configuration yeah right exactly that's what i'm thinking before anyone else just takes that idea and runs with it (laughs) yeah that would be the ultimate way to annoy dad rename all his devices (laughs) so uh the next section i wanted to talk about because i i mentioned you know i haven't added a lot that's you know what we talked about so far is really what's added in the last year. I have hardware for a number of things that I just need to finish. For me, it's not always about access to the stuff because sometimes I'll order things to do a project and they'll sit here like the the Hue uh, Aurora motion sensor thing. The stuff for that has probably been in my house for God knows how long over a year. And then, you know, it just took me finally getting time to do it. And sometimes on the weekend or whatever, like after a long week, the last thing I want to do is home automation projects. So I just have to be Mm -hmm. in the right mood to want to take some of this stuff on. I have this kind of list of devices in my house, and I just need to get the motivation and, and time and encouragement. So send me tweets and encourage me to do smart home projects on the weekends. The stuff I have to finish, I have a number of Lutron cassetta switches um, to put in in various places in the house. Um, I have a bunch of switches laying around here ready to go. I mentioned earlier, I have children. They leave lights on all over the place. I try to train them. Sometimes I will will be literally getting ready for bed and I'll say, 
you need to go downstairs and turn off the lights. Like I make them mm-hmm. feel that pain of going down mm-hmm. two flights of stairs to do it. But ultimately the best way to do this is to replace those light switches. So upstairs in the quote unquote fort, that one is a, is a big one, especially cause you usually have to go up a flight of stairs and you know, it'll so happen like a day after I've done a hard workout. And the last thing I want to do before going to bed is climb another set of stairs because uh, right. my legs are sore. So it would be nice to just put those in the good night routine downstairs in the basement as well. Same kind of thing. My kid's down there gaming on the PC and then, you know, forgets to turn off the lights. In general, we have most of the, and by most, I want to say 70% of the light switches on our first floor automated. I want to just finish off the downstairs first floor so -hmm. that all the switches are automated. The last time I looked at this, though, like I was like, I'm almost done. Like in my head, I was at 90% or whatever. And then I started counting switches that weren't done. And it was a lot more than I thought. So I need to do that assessment again. And some of them, I have weird stuff on light switches and like under cabinet lights and stuff that I don't know that I would spend the 50 bucks for a Lutron Cassetta to, to automate per se. So those I'll just put on a regular switch. The problem with some of my switches is like they're standard normal switches and I have to change them to the rectangle style. Right. The decora style. Decora style. So then even if I don't want to switch out a light switch, I still have to rewire them to a decora style so that they all fit in a gang box together. Yeah. Although they do make combination plates depending on what your application is. I mean, if it's, if it's something where you really clearly still want a toggle because for whatever reason, that's the most logical way or the easiest way to do it, you can buy combo plates as long as you don't have those highly customized plates like we had in our kitchen. Yeah. I think if it's a two, a switch gang, then, then that works. The one that I did one time ago, it was like four switches. And so there really was, and the the ones I wanted to keep were in the middle. So there was no finding a one like that. It it just made more (laughs) sense to switch it out to a simple Decora switch. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So yeah, I I really would like to, in the next year, work on those and and get the ones that I haven't done yet. Now, are any of those switches the kind of switches that, also control outlets in a room like for lamps or are they all for like built-in fixtures um i do have some that control outlets and for the most part those are not in use for actually controlling lamps or anything like that so that would be a great example of something i wouldn't want to update with a smart switch i would probably just um, put in a standard toggle there got it Yeah, the reason I ask is I ran into a problem where I wanted to replace the light switch for a room, which operated nothing but the lower outlets on all of the outlets in the room. And to do that, you need to get their Cassetta Relay or Cassetta. I can see now I'm listening to you and I'm pronouncing it wrong. The Cassetta Relay (laughs) and... And that is a very different device from the dimmer in that it requires a neutral wire. And wouldn't you know, that was one of the very few light switches in my entire home that didn't have a neutral wire going to it. Super annoying. Yeah. So yeah. And then, you know, one of the other, uh, Lutron Caseta, Caseta, Caseta. Now you got me self-conscious about it. Yeah. Caseta projects I need to do. I put in, just because I was experimenting with it, a C by GE light switch. And this thing is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it, it like, w- well, one, it doesn't support HomeKit, but it won't stay online. And we recently had the weirdest power event I think I've ever experienced. I don't know what was going on. And we reported it to the city. They, uh, they were like, yeah, we're aware of it. But the what we experienced was like half power and like lights flickering 
And like some stuff was on, some stuff was off. It was like really weird. Something strange was going on. And Hmm. all of our smart home stuff was acting very weird. The power was going in and out, in and out. And for some of that stuff, um, like my LifeX bulbs, it actually reset them because the power Hmm. was flickering enough. And that's how you, that's how you reset (laughs) those. Nice, nice. So, okay, whatever. But the C by GE, Maybe it maybe it did that too, but it just put that in like this super funky mode, and I couldn't even get it recovered. And so I didn't even bother hooking it back up because I'm just like, when I get the time, I'm gonna rip this out of the wall and and put a caseta in there. Now, is this their toggle, or is it the regular traditional switch, or is it the funky one that has all the different pieces that don't match each other? It's the funky button one that you love the design of. Yeah. Can't stand that thing. Absolutely can't stand it. Now, they're supposed to function as bridges, right? That has both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi in it, so it should be connecting to your home over Wi-Fi. Yes. Except any time the power went out, it would not recover and rejoin Wi-Fi. So hmm. that was hmm. the one thing, you know, when we had this funky power event, I uh, I patted my engineers on the back because I said all of our stuff recovered and rejoined the Wi-Fi. None of it reset itself. And uh, various other things didn't, didn't pass that test. One of my other projects, and I don't know if we've ever dug into this in our opening questions, but I'm a big shoe collector. Yes. We have talked about your sneakers. Yes, my sneaker collection. So... Maybe a little over a year ago, as a gift, my wife got me some pretty cool um, shelves that have a glass front for holding all my sneakers, mainly because she just wanted me to pick them up off the floor. They were all over the place. (laughs) And so we got these kind of display shelves for them. And so I have all these LED lights to put in the display shelves and uh, they're USB powered. And I'm planning on, I bought this like 10 USB hub to uh, wire them all into. And I'm planning on plugging that into uh, one of our in-wall outlets and then controlling that. So then we can have a command to light up all the shoes. So these are, as as I'm envisioning this i'm imagining these are kind of like the really inexpensive led strips you can buy at discount stores and stuff that maybe have a an an infrared remote if you want to change what they do yes yep 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 super cheap i don't need anything fancy i need them on one white color control them on and off so yeah that's cool i have two more shelves i need to build at some point uh, my wife said I can't buy any more shoes until I build those shelves. And uh, <laughs> and I need to hook up all these uh, light strips. So that's in my future. And then in our office, I may have mentioned this last year, but when we first bought our house, we have, we have this really cool space in the office. It's like a, a semi-circle room, really cool ceilings and... BR 30, maybe six of them uh, around the room. And so I got Hue color BR 30s for this room and I had them working at one point. I feel like maybe I had like a catastrophic Hue event where I had to repair everything (laughs) at some point and these bulbs never got added back in. And Mm. so unfortunately, I think the only way at this point is to get up there write down the codes for all of them, reset them, and get them all paired. That is usually the way that you get out of that mess. It is worth noting that it could be worse than that. I had a pairing problem where I naively believed that I might be able to directly pair my ZigBee-based Philips Hue bulbs to some other controller. And In doing so, I was no longer able to pair them, even after excluding them from the other controller. I was never able to pair them again with Philips Hue. And I might have talked about this on this show or not. I don't remember. I actually had to download a Java-based utility from 
Signify's website that did basically a force firmware reset that allowed it to be seen. And now it's just seen as a regular light bulb. It doesn't even know it's a BR30. Wow. So hopefully you're not there. Okay. Because that was a hassle. Yeah. Well, I know who to call if if I if I'm running into problems. You can help me troubleshoot it. <laughs> but yeah, in our office also, this is where our Peloton bike is. So I thought it would be really cool at some point to have you know cool workout mode or you know color settings specific for uh, workout time. And also, I really love the idea of. Uh, my wife works out of this office, but, you know, doing some color temperature varying things for when she's working. Um, I think that's something she's interested in. Or potentially the the home kit time of day stuff. This would be a great use case for that. Right. One of the things that's going on in here, though, is I don't remember why, but I, I think I was just testing it. I have a Wemo switch in there. And that Wemo switch is what controls these six BR30s. What I'd really like is a switch that's always powered and then the actual physical switch just controls these hue bulbs. Do you you have any thoughts on on how I could do that? There there aren't many devices that can work that way. Somewhat ironically, the C by GE ecosystem is designed to work that way if you buy their bulbs and their switches. I know, I know, I know. Uh, one thing that might work for you is that test that switch that I've been testing that I really like, which is that Oro switch. That Oro switch fills a standard Decora box. It has sensors in it. It allows you to define what kind of bulbs are connected to it. And if they're smart bulbs, then it sends the dim up and dim down and on off commands to those bulbs instead or to the hub rather instead of actually changing the power that's going to those circuits so that might solve your problem and then combine that with what apple will be coming out with this fall and you'll have the ability to do some sort of white tunable sort of thing if you wanted to do that you can also set up different scenes for the bulbs in Oro as well. Yeah. So you could have a workout scene and it would just turn them all to like, you know, like maybe you want them close to full on and maybe really cool or something like that. So uh, that's a product I would recommend for, for there. Uh, alternatively, potentially you could maybe look at doing something in addition to just a regular power switch that has on-off control, have a Pico next to it. And I think I remember you saying that you might be playing with Homebridge in the future. And Homebridge makes those Picos come alive, man. You could do anything you want with those Picos. Spoiler, I was going to get to that later. But yes, All right, well, it's we'll coming. talk about that. Okay. All right. Well, before we get into anything else, let's take a quick break for our sponsors, if we have any, and uh, we'll return with more smart home discussion. All right. So we talked about what I have already here, either done or uh, literally just waiting for me to get off my butt and put it in. I wanted to talk in this next section about my... uh, my want list of things I'd like to buy in the next year, give you an idea of things I've been eyeing and also just kind of the kinds of projects I'd like to take on and, and things I'd like to add to my house. So I think we even mentioned this one on the last show, but you've been talking up the ring path lights and particularly since they came out with this solar version, I've been eyeing these and literally just at this point waiting for them to go on sale uh we didn't really have an amazon day this year yeah no prime day what's that about i mean come on Mm. i don't understand that at all is it are they worried about the logistics of it or something i think they're worried about the optics of it in the middle of a they're already doing quite well in the pandemic uh you know 
the optics hmm. of it wouldn't look too great if they're like... I'm, I'm fascinated if that is in fact the case, because that's just doesn't strike me as Amazon, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it may be the logistics, too. I think they're already running, you know, their operations, you know, like holidays all the time. Um, right. I have a friend who's a UPS driver, and he literally said, you know, since the, the pandemic started... There, he's running overtime like the holidays all the time. So I, I gotta imagine Amazon's like that too. And so, if maybe they feel like if they added some extra demand, it would just like break everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I really like the idea of these solar path lights and and want to do them in the front. So um, you know, when the time comes, uh, I'll do this. So maybe around the holidays, uh, Amazon will will put these on sale and. That'll get me to finally pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. The next category is just cameras. So I do have a Ring Doorbell Pro, and I do have a Ring um, Floodlight Cam in my backyard, um, which was as much about the camera as it was about having a good bright light um, for our dog back there. Side note, our dog actually got sprayed by a skunk last night, and my wife was really disappointed oh. that the uh, the floodlight cam didn't catch the oh, catch it in the yeah. action. Yeah. So yeah, that was my night last night. And we live in a really safe neighborhood and a safe city, but I really like the idea of having cameras at, we'll say, all or most angles on the house, kind of a 360 view covered by some sort of camera. And so I've got the, the backyard, I've got the front yard, which are really the more important areas, but I'd love to add some more cameras on the sides of the house and in the back of the house, um, just to have, you know, some more views of this. As I said, the other cameras are ring today, but if I actually wanted to do wired cameras, putting those up would be extensive, hire an electrician, a lot of work. One thing that I've been particularly eyeballing is this Arlo Pro 3 floodlight. This was one that was announced at CES this year, I believe. Totally wireless, does 2K HDR. It can run off solar or just their batteries. So my idea here was like, could I literally just like take a window that I can open and, you know, affix these to the house? outside of a window and they'd be mounted and ready to go and either put up solar or, you know, just reach out the window and grab the batteries when I need to. Um, I really like the idea of this. I like the design. Seems like a cool uh, product. It's HomeKit native. The biggest thing here that gives me pause is kind of further diverging my camera ecosystems right you're adding a new brand into the mix but you're getting that home kit compatibility and is that going to be important to you if it is that native home kit capability is not something that you're going to get with ring certainly not out of the box anyway yes so i think my unless here is as you kind of alluded to i i bought a physical hoobs bridge to finally start digging into homebridge and according to what i've seen at least on their website there seems to be a plugin for ring stuff yeah in hoobs to bring those cameras into homekit so if yeah. i can get my ring stuff into homekit i think that makes the case for these arlo floodlights stronger Really? As opposed to just, for example, a ring spotlight? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that I like the idea of if I'm going to spend the money, you know, it's about a $50 delta for the ring spotlight um, versus these. If if the HomeKit experience is one that I like, which I, I really don't have a lot of stuff in HomeKit video, we do have some Arlo uh, wireless cams that we use for my daughter's room right now, but I haven't played around with HomeKit secure video a lot. But if I decide that I like that and the ring stuff works in there, I'd rather stick with something that's HomeKit native for that right. investment 
than right. something that could break at any moment because Apple changes something or Ring changes something. Yep, fair point. And you're not going to get HomeKit Secure Video through anything HomeBridge. So the features that require HomeKit Secure Video, like zones and things like that, it's just not going to be available to you unless you were to use a HomeKit native device that supports HomeKit Secure Video. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what I decide to do here. As of right now, I'm just kind of oogling at these Arlo floodlights, but I do love the the Arlo stuff. It's really, really slick, and um, you know the fact that it's wireless is is pretty handy. So we'll see. Maybe I'll just buy one and and experiment with it before I go all in. I think it's funny that you're you're big on the design on that. I'm I'm a little turned off by the design just because it's so different. Yeah, like it does not look like a floodlight that you would normally have on the side of your house. It almost looks like. Uh, like a an antenna or something. Well, I think that, you know, in the use case of security, uh, that almost works. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Not a bad thing. Uh, I mean, I guess there you could make an argument that if somebody sees a camera floodlight right. kind of thing, it's, it can be a deterrent. Sure. Um, they know what it is. But you, if you want to catch somebody in the act of something, something more subtle is is interesting. So we'll see what happens there if, if I decide to get one to experiment. Mm-hmm. The biggest project I'd like to take on at some point here is shades in the house. I, I always hear great things from you about your roller shades. Anybody that I've seen who who really has a good shade implementation can't say enough good things about it. And certainly when I've seen big home automation implementations, whole home shades by far is the most cool and... Uh, eye-catching thing and and i would think useful as well yep and we happen to have a, a customer in the shade business we work with a company called rollies we build their their home kit bridge it's been in the market now for over a year i probably do have at least access to some sort of discount on shades if i decide to do this i think my big problem is if i'm gonna do it i want to do all of it and that's a lot that's a big implementation to do every window. So maybe what I need to do is just kind of scope it down and do a couple rooms to get started. Pick a room. I think the room that is your home theater is a really good candidate for an, an experiment to try it, right? Yeah. Yeah, the problem is where our you know big TV and stuff is, it's a pretty open room. So... That in of itself would be a lot. I think a bedroom would be nice, too. And uh, the aforementioned kind of cool uh, circular office would be cool, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I just need to pick a room or two and and give it a go. Do you have a space like we did with our breakfast room where the heat from the sun is just ends up pounding in there at certain times of the day? Because that was really our motivation for automating the shades in the breakfast room i don't think so you know we don't really get hot midday sun in anywhere particularly that i can think of okay but yeah i don't at at some point i just need to pull the trigger and and get some of this done and to your earlier point about living and uh eating our own dog food i also like to live and eat the dog food of our customers my Previously mentioned Mo and Shower, at times I was the user that was emailing their support guys and being like, hey, uh, you know, your Amazon skill isn't working. You better fix that (laughs) because I was a user of it. And, you know, so uh, I I try to help uh, let them know when things aren't working. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to to use this regularly and, and help make that a better product as well. Cool. Yeah. Is that it? That's it for now. I if I if I got all those things done in the next year, that would be plenty, but uh I don't know. What else what else am I not thinking of that I, I should be playing with? No, I think this is a good list. I think the Homebridge experimentation is gonna be very interesting for you because it opened up a whole world for me. It doesn't yet solve my biggest problem which is tying my Insteon stuff in with everything else. 
And that's just because I'm finding that the plugin for Insteon is not as stable as I need it to be to do that. But everything else that I've used with them seems to be rock solid. And I've, I've been surprisingly pleased with how good Homebridge has solved most of the problems that I was dealing with before. And now I just keep my fingers crossed that it keeps working. It doesn't break. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, my biggest island that doesn't touch HomeKit is the ring stuff. And I originally bought it because of that HomeKit promise. Right. And I literally saw them at an Apple hosted event where they were introducing this as something they were going to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I should have faith enough to do this. Yeah. I mean, that was pre Amazon acquisition. Yeah. And while they said that that wouldn't change anything, it's obviously changed their integration focus. Yeah. I don't, I don't foresee it happening and certainly I would be happy if it did, but if I could, I now have the two, the camera, the floodlight and a ring security system. If I could put all of that on HomeKit via Hoobs and Homebridge and it was good and stable, I would be a happy man. And uh, so we'll see. Definitely we'll talk about all of that on a future episode. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we have a question. And this comes from Tony. This actually came after our last episode. Someone replied to both of us and asked us this question. This is Tony, someone I know. Tony, someone I used to work with. He says, how do people handle the sale of the rental of a smart home and the transition of the systems? I, I, I said that wrong. How do the, the sale or rental of a smart home? Seeing a lot of smart home features now and wondering how you hand over the keys, so to speak. This is a great question. And I think we'll likely end up doing an entire episode on this at some point. You and I, Adam, had some different suggestions here. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You can go first. And so the the first thing that I want to kind of advise people is that once you show your house or once you list your house and there's anything identified as part of the home in that listing, it conveys. So you need to be really careful about taking stuff out that you don't want to have convey. For example, if you have a, a really expensive, say, uh, thermostat or uh, a, a really expensive DIY security system that you think you can reuse somewhere else, you could uninstall that, but it has to be done before it's identified by somebody as a part of the house. The other thing that I would recommend, and I think this is the best case scenario, and it's not always possible with every system, but once you determine what you want to have staying in the house, then I think the best case scenario here is to re reassign the devices or those accounts that those devices are on to a generic account. So for example, if you had signed up for, let's say ring and your ring stuff was all on an account that had your email address, maybe change that to a generic email address. And then that generic email could be something that you would hand over to the customer with those accounts. So if you, you know, maybe at an email address for the house, like you live on Main Street, it could be 123mainstreet at gmail.com or something. And then that's the owner of those devices. And you hand the account, you hand your devices and your device accounts all over to the new homeowner. I have a question for you about this, though. I think this sounds great, but would you trust somebody who handed you an account that they maybe still had access to? That would feel a little fishy to me. I mean, I guess you could change all the passwords. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would be up to the new homeowner to change all the passwords. It's going to be this. This is 
probably less of a problem for that than if it were still hooked up to your own account, right? Like how, yes, you have to somehow get this stuff over to this other homeowner. Maybe you ask them what their email address is and you get together one afternoon and sign all the accounts over together or something. I don't know. I think the other major issue here is if those devices are Wi-Fi, you have to change the Wi-Fi hotspot on all of those devices. And in some cases, some devices let you reset the Wi-Fi and others, you literally have to factory reset the devices to change the Wi-Fi network. I have never encountered having to do a factory reset to change the Wi-Fi, but I did think about the Wi-Fi problem. And that's even more challenging because you could go and change the Wi-Fi because you don't want your Wi-Fi password being part of that. Maybe you have your own Eero hotspots or something and you don't want, you know, that doesn't convey or, I mean, this, the, the combinations of scenarios here is kind of infinite, but it's most likely that even if you change the, the Wi-Fi account and password on all those devices, the homeowner is probably going to have to do it again themselves after they install their own Wi-Fi. Right. Like what, what wouldn't I do? I wouldn't use someone else's router. Right. That's something I wouldn't do. So if someone's like, all right, well, you can keep all the arrows they convey. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. And if I did, I would have to factor reset everything and just start from scratch because I wouldn't trust what was there from before. I, I don't know about that. I, I think my uh, the the thing I added on, on when I commented on this on Twitter was uh, my parents recently sold their house in the last couple of years. And they had, you know, various smart home devices in there. And what my dad did was he gave them a list of these are the things that are in here because some of them you wouldn't necessarily know they were there or right. know where to find the stuff or whatever. Good example would be like a MyQ garage. If you didn't know there was a MyQ up on the ceiling, you might not realize that you have something there that you could use. Mm-hmm. So his approach was more like, here's what it is, and I'm happy to help you reset these devices if you need it, or email me if you have questions about these things. Because a lot of them, some of them were stuff that we had worked on, some of them were uh, like the sump pump in the basement was a product we had worked on. One, just knowing what's there, and then two, offering to help if needed, And, and for the most part, I think most people are. Um, just like, okay, you know, that's kind of a weird relationship to, uh, be emailing the, the people that used to live in your house. But so, yeah. And the, the guy never reached out to him or asked any questions. I did have a new homeowner of a former house that I had owned reach out to me and ask about reprogramming some fixtures that were in the ceiling. Like these were installed fixtures that had like behind the fixture controllers attached to them. And I was kind of like, look, here's the information for where I bought them. That's the best I can do for you. Yeah. I thought the funny one who commented on this was Stacy Higginbotham had sold her house in Austin and obviously given her career and job, she had all kinds of stuff in her house and it sounds like the right person bought her house because she offered to help and they said no nah, i've got a professional and um you know they'll just take care of it and so i joked that she made a lot of good work for that professional to come in and set yeah. all that stuff up for somebody yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely hopefully tony that gives you the answer you're looking for if you're selling or buying a smart home in the future if you have a smart home question you can send it our way on twitter using the hashtag Ask Smart Home Show, and we'll pick a question to answer in each episode. All right, Adam, this was a lot of fun, as always. If uh, people want to know how they can get in touch with you, how do they do that? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice and everything my company's doing at ConnectSense.com. How about you, Richard? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther, and you can find my writings and shows up on 
the digital media zone at the digital media zone.com. You can send us feedback at feedback at smarthome.fm and the smart home show is part of technology.fm, which is a collection of great tech podcasts, including home tech, the food tech show and my other show home on our shows and our show notes are all up at smarthome.fm. And if you like what you're hearing, please do us a favor. Let some friends know and leave us a rating or a review. We'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.